Really glad to be back with you as now you enter kind of like phase two of a search for who God has uh, as a teaching pastor going forward, but it's uh, really an honor to be here. And for those of you I haven't met, I, I'm just going to tell you, well, for all of you, you, you can just go ahead and start making fun of me now for what I'm about to tell you, okay, because the most exciting news I have heard for me personally over the last six months has been the word that I got that the plans are now formalized, that a movie is going to be made that is a reboot of a show called The Six Million Dollar Man. (laughs) Because I will tell you what, I can say it to you. I I can tell you, Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. (laughs) Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. I'm pathetic. Mark Wahlberg is going to play Steve Austin. It's it's coming out in June of 2020. I don't, and, and you know what, you don't even know what this is about, but I just cannot wait to do this. It can get three on Rotten Tomatoes, 3%, and I will be there opening night. Okay, there you have it. Now, there's something about the theme of that that actually is parallel to the book of Acts. I know. I know. And, and, and look, in the, in, in the overview of the book of Acts, we're going to do it this week and next week, and, and there's no way to do it in two weeks. It's going to be a flyover. Just hang with me on this. But, in fact, if you have a Bible or access to one or a device, Acts chapter 1, um, not going to do this justice at all. But there is something significant that is introduced in the story. And, and if you remember, all of the Bible, this whole Route 66, is, uh, you see on the walls, every, all the books of the Bible, they, all, they are all part of one big theme story. It is one story. It is God's story for heaven and earth and the human race. And I have suggested to you that a way to summarize that would be the, the, the making and redeeming of God's kingdom, that God's one story, when it gets to this place, the resurrection of Jesus has happened, God has come, he has absorbed the sin of the world, he's conquered death, and now you get post-resurrection in, in the book of Acts. And what, what is going to be such a key part of this portion of the story is something that I don't want us to miss because, get this, this is not just history, this is present reality. This has to do with you. It has to do with me. You're gonna, I hope you're going to see that vividly. And it was mentioned in the video, but we're just going to focus on it a little bit. And it has to do with this. There's this monumental reveal that God gives in the story that he introduces in the book of Acts, and it is this, that God is going to re-tabernacle his presence. Now that might sound, you might not even know what that means, but here's what, here, in, in real terms, that means this. God, the maker of all, the, the Lord and creator of everything, he is not just going to be out there. He's not just going to be among us. He's not going to be with us. He's not even just going to come upon us. God himself is going to take up residence, tabernacle, within us. Those who respond to him, those who bow before him and accept his kingship and his provision for our sins through Jesus Christ. He's actually going to do something he has not done before. It's going to be called a couple different things. 
It's gonna be called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can call it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's the residency of God in the form of the Holy Spirit within his followers, and it is revolutionary. It hasn't happened before. It's a difference between Old Testament followers of God and New Testament and following followers of God, and it's different for you. It has huge ramifications. Now, I want to just caution you about something because a lot of talk and a lot of discussion and a lot of division happens about what the Holy Spirit's up to, what he's up to in Acts, what we learn from there. And I want to suggest to you this, that the book of Acts as a history book and as, as, a, as a representation of that is not supposed to be prescriptive. It is, it is more descriptive of what God has done and it's got a particular place in history about it. So it's always been said, don't build your theology on the book of Acts. It's a, not a prescription for what everything we should be doing. It's a description. But here's, here's how I would put it. Don't focus on the specific or replicating the Acts that you see here, but on the undergirding facts about the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you a handful of them, of them for you, all right? Because we're going to see the importance of and the significance of the Holy Spirit, God coming in this form into his people in the book of Acts. So if you're in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus hasn't risen, he hasn't ascended yet, and he's gathered his disciples, and he's telling them, and, and he's there for, for quite some time with them, 40 days with them. Lots of people are seeing him. He has discuss, discussions with him, and I want you to look at verse 4 of Acts 1. On one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. That's what we're talking about. He keeps saying that this is happening. And then you're going to see the big verse, which I'm going to put up here for you, Acts 1.8, which most Church people have kind of seen this more memorized it. It becomes the big Great Commission verse. It's a great one. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, we just saw, and this is the whole, we're going to talk about this next week, how the gospel, the message that can save people's souls is supposed to go out in these concentric circles. We tend to focus, though, on the last part of that. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But the first part of that verse is absolutely as significant because he's saying something that these guys have not really fully grasped or heard before. And something he says is going to happen, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and it doesn't just mean to rest on you. It means to submerge himself within you. Now, Jesus foretold this, and he said some really things that might give you a pause before this happened. Here's one in John 16. He says, I tell you the truth. He's talking about going to the cross and then ascending to the heaven. They're going, no, no, no. Come on, Jesus, you're the king. Stay with us. And he says, I tell you, I tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go, the counselor, which is his word, for how God manifests himself in the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Six million dollar man. You're going to lose the capacity to have certain benefits in your life, it's going to feel like a huge loss. But as a result of that, you're going to have a benefit that's going to make you stronger, faster than you were before. And unless I go and make that switch, it won't happen. It's for your good that that happens. In John 14, he said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And so he, 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 in Acts 1, he talks about this. And if you, again, you look at verse, I told you verse four, now look at verse five. Because John baptized you with water. He submerged you in water. 
as a statement to say, I am fully absorbed in this message. Okay, John did that, but in a few days, here's something he says you're going to happen. You're going to be baptized, and it's going to be by the Holy Spirit of God. Completely submerged, he's going to change, fundamentally change where he is with you. Brand new concept, you're going to be saturated with God himself. The temple, like we saw in the video, the temple, God's temple, is now going to be, look, it's you, okay, it's you. You're going to be the temple, the very God of the universe is going to say, I'm residing in that individual. I'm living at their address. When it happens, it's a game changer. Absolute game changer. You get to Acts chapter 2, and the stuff starts happening. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Jesus has told them, all the things you saw me do, you're going to do even greater things than these. How could that possibly be? God in the flesh is doing stuff? You're going to, you're, how, how are we supposed to do greater things? It's not just us. It's because of this radical change that God is not just going to be with you doing stuff. He's going to be doing, you're going to do it because he's going to be in you doing it. Now, note, notice this. Just about, uh, this is just a reminder about the triune God. Okay, God exists, God is one God. He exists, he manifests himself. He relates to us in three distinct persons. They tend to have different roles. Whole other topic, but let me just say it again. The Father tends to take on the role of the creator, ruler, provider, sustainer, master, judge. That's God the Father. The Son comes. It's God. It's still God, but he's manifesting. He's expressing himself as the revealer, the communicator, the one who kind of tells us what God is like in terms we can understand. He's, he's the redeemer then and the restorer, and he helps us relate. He's the mediator and bridge between us as humans and God who is not. And then the spirit of God, who is fully God and is absolutely an expression and purpose of God, he is the accompanier of God, aspect of what, how God relates to us. The guide or the counselor, he's the enactor and the empowerer. Just keep that in mind as we talk about this. Because there's a reality, because this has a present reality. I'm going to keep coming back to this. I'm going to go really faster than I should when we talk about what that means. Because what I want to get to today is to say, this isn't just true for some crazy stories that a bunch of people got to do. This is true today. I mean, this is a reality that if you, and if you haven't crossed the line of faith in Jesus Christ yet, you get a whole lot of benefits with you when you do. The amazing one we think about is I get to live forever. I don't have to pay for my own sins. But it's far more than that. You have a benefit of being a carrier right now, not just of the ideas of God, not just the truth of God, but God himself is in the room right now. We'll get to that, okay? But let's talk about some of the things, how we focus on uh, what we see what God does. So the manifestations of how God does it, and this is what, here's a handful of them that we see. Again, with apologies that we're gonna go way too fast. Here's how, here's how we put some of this. When God prompts, something God does. When God prompts, it's the Holy Spirit who's doing the nudging. There's something that God does. He's often doing this. In fact, I would say he does it daily. He, not, he nudges us. He gets our attention. He, he taps us. He whispers. The still small voice of God is active. He gets our attention to take a look at something, to do something, to point out something that he wants to do. He does that on a regular basis. 
In the, in the book of Acts, he did it in ways like this. He, he, he nudged people in the direction they were going. And you see phrases like this. The Holy, this is Acts 8. The Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, I, first question I got is, was that an audible voice? What, what was that? I don't know. doesn't explain. It's not up to me to solve it. Somehow, God prompts. And he says to Philip, see that, see that guy by that car over there? Just go over there. Just hang out by that car. He winds up leading that guy to, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a nudge. There's another nudge in Acts chapter 10. Peter was thinking about the, a vision he'd seen, and the Spirit said to him, again, I don't know, audible voice? What, does, I'm not trying to solve I'm not trying to replicate this. There's something beyond this. This is just how God works. And he says, there, there are people looking for you. He has a sense about that. God is doing the nudging. In Acts 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I'll say more about that in a minute, a little bit later. And the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Here's one. This, this is how Jesus, again, said it. And we saw this verse earlier, right? John 16, he says, unless I go, go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him. Then he says this. And when he comes, he's going to do this thing. He's going to convict. He's, he's going to kind of expose something for people. He's going to convict the, the world. I believe both us as believers and unbelievers, he's, he's kind of convicting the world of sin in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So there's something going on there that, that, that the Holy Spirit is doing. He's, he, he's doing something, and he gets your attention. He nudges. That one of, it's Halloween season, right? So, so there's all this stuff about scary movies. And, what's, and, and they, they had a survey of the scariest lines, not just scenes, but lines in movies. And there's this one from this real old movie that's called When a Stranger Calls, and somebody's talking, and, and when they're trying to figure out all this, how this stuff's happening, and, and, she, and the police are on the line, and they say, the calls are, you know how this goes? The calls are coming from inside the house. That is just, I mean, I just get chills. <laughs> how could that be happening? Of course, now it could be happening because he pulls out his cell phone. Of course, you know. Here's the thing. God nudges, and when he does, he does this in his carriers, and the calls are coming from inside the house. They're coming from his residence, which is really close. And he, t- and he tends to tap us on the shoulder. Here's the thing. You've had this happen. You may not have recognized this as such, but you've had this happen. Where, where you get this idea, and you say, so all of a sudden you just go, someone goes, I just feel like I should go talk to that person. And you go, well, what? what? Why would I do that? And I'll be honest about it. Most times I just dismiss that stuff. Well, that's crazy. You know what? Because I got something else to do. Got somewhere else to go besides I don't know them. I don't. Or, or there's an opportunity. You should check that out. You know, I don't want to check that out. I don't need to check that out. I'm busy. Where's that come from? Now, later on, we'll talk about what you do with that nudge. Because so, how do you test that to know where it's coming from? Is that coming from your own head? Is it coming from guilt manipulation? You're watching and there's sad songs on television about dogs who are suffering. You go, oh, I should give. Well, is that coming from the spirit? I don't know. You know? Sarah McLaughlin singing. I said, you know, where's it come from? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But this is one of the things the Spirit, God manifesting Himself, does. Here's, here's, a, here's the definition I've always used for ministry. 
We're all supposed to be in, involved. What is, here's ministry. This is my definition for ministry. Ministry is how God gets stuff done. It's how God gets stuff done. God does stuff, but ministry is how, how he gets it done. And how he gets it done is through his instruments, his carriers. God mobilizes. We'll get to that here in just a second. But he does that by sending signals and going, that, over there, try that. Opportunity, need. Do something with that. This is how it happens. If you have your antennas up to the, to the nudgings, you, you'll notice it. Now, again, you may not, it takes a while to figure out where that's coming from. But there's a whole lot of us. I'm going to, sorry, I'm just going to step on your toes just a little and then move on. There's a whole lot of us who kind of sit on our hands and go, I don't ever see anything happen around here. Why does anybody do anything? Or, or God never, not God, I don't, God doesn't use me. He uses other people, doesn't use me because I can't go up and do what they did or I can't do that. And the biggest reason that happens is because you're not paying attention. Because if you, we are, he's nudging. Some of you just this week have felt the nudge, a little, a little, you noticed. What'd you do with that? Pull that thread. See where that goes. Because God, who's in you, is, that's how he works. That's his spirit. That's what he's doing. Here, here's the second one. When God enlightens, it's the Holy Spirit doing the revealing. And John 14, 26, again, Jesus said, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things. He'll remind you of everything I said to you. God will enlighten it. He's, he called the, he's called the counselor because he's, he's bringing truth into where you live so that you get it. And so sometimes we have these aha moments. All, you ever had it happen where if, you, if you're in the habit of reading scripture and you'll read a passage of scripture and all of a sudden something you'll go, I don't think I've ever read that before. Or at least it didn't hit me like it just hit me. Some, all of a sudden you'll go, I read that truth and it's a common truth that everybody knows about God but all of a sudden it just it just whacks you in the face and you some of you just had this happen recently and you go that applies to that situation I'm in right now that's a decision I need to make you know when that happens you know what's going on there that God is enlightening you the Holy Spirit is doing what he got Jesus said he would do. He's doing the revealing about how that works. Here's, here's an example. I don't, again, I don't understand exactly everything that's going on in the book of Acts with this, but here's something that happens with, with the Apostle Paul in Acts 13, and I'm a chapter ahead of where I'm supposed to stop today, but I'm going to steal it from it anyway because I'm preaching on it next week. So, <laughs> Elimus the sorcerer, that's what his name means, opposed them, tried to run the proconsul from the faith. And I won't give you all the context for now, just hang with me. Then Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, see that? We'll talk about filling in a minute. Looked straight at Elimus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? How did he know that? He just met the guy. There's something, there's truth being applied. He says, I recognize God had said something about who opposes me. I see this happening. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, this is how that works. This is an example of that. It's happening right in front of you. In Acts 20, now compelled by the Holy Spirit, 
Paul said, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me prison and hardships are facing me. God is enlightening something for him. He's telling him something that's going to happen. This takes several forms. It can, it can be application to a situation. It can be insight about a situation. Or it could be foresight. So sometimes you find yourself saying, I can just, you know, have you ever had it happen where you're talking to somebody and it just feels a little weird and you go, I have a feeling they're involved in that activity. I have a feeling that that sin might be going on in their life. You don't know for sure. You just kind of got a gut thing. You know what that gut thing is? Or what it could be. God is actively saying, I'm going to reveal something to you for a purpose. It's not so you can stand in front of people and say, I got this special gift. This is not superhero power stuff. That's not its purpose. It's for the purpose of the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the message of God advancing. Not, your, not for you to look good. And if you take it that direction, there's something wrong. But God is still doing stuff. He gives insight sometimes. Pay attention to it. And he gives foresight sometimes. It says, I can kind of, I just know where this is going. Now, you don't, but you kind of do. God is doing something. He's active. He does that regularly with his people. When James 1 says, if any of you asks for wisdom, let him ask it of God. And God, he'll, he'll, he'll just pour it out, he says. You know, how does that happen? You know how it happens? He t- from within you, he will take the truth of his word and he'll, give, he'll, he'll expand its impact. He'll expand its capacity to enlighten you. That's what wisdom can be. Oh, we can talk more about this. Here's the third one. When God works, it's the Holy Spirit doing the enacting. Now listen to this. Anytime God works, meaning he makes impact on something in the physical or spiritual world, when God actually changes something, the Holy Spirit is the one doing that. That is his role. The Holy Spirit is, is doing that. It happens in the physical realm, and it happens in the, or the and externals. It can happen in the spiritual or in, internal realm, too. All the healings that were happening in the book of Acts, you know why they were happening? Because the Holy Spirit was doing it. So in Acts chapter 10, you, you know that what's happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee and the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. The Holy Spirit was doing the work. It's God doing the work. But it was the Holy Spirit who was actually healing people and doing good miracles. Here's, here's the way you can say it. When, when, when miracles happen, when healings happen, they, can ha- they happened in the name of Jesus Christ. They happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the spiritual realm, when a person actually, some of you are on the brink of doing this, some of you may have just done it, when a person comes to the place where they say, I need to surrender to Jesus, I need what I, he can, I can't make my life work, I need forgiveness, I'm going to entrust my soul to him. When that moment happens, the Bible talks about a washing that happens. It's called the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration happens at the hands of the Holy Spirit. He's the one doing the washing. Titus 3 says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
He's the one who actually applies the salvation. The moment happens because he does the work. He goes on to, to do other things. The, 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 the internal things, when God moves, okay, so we hear the gift. Every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given gifts to make impact. You know what they're called? They're called the gifts of the Spirit. They're spiritual gifts, but they're not just spiritual realm. They're handed to you. The, the way I put it is this way. You were given a wiring and spiritual wiring, a capacity to do stuff that you wouldn't be able to do to the, to the level that you could without it. And that's given to you by the Spirit. They're called the gifts of the Spirit. And then when it makes impact from the inside, when your character changes, you know who's doing it? It's the Holy Spirit. You know what we call that? We call it that the fruit of the Spirit. He's working it out from the inside of you out. And you, if you've been around, you've seen this passage. Galatians 5, live by the Spirit, you'll not satisfy the desires of the nature. And he, he juxtaposes them. Sinful nature desires is contrary to the spirit. Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. Acts of the sinful nature are obvious. He goes on to say what they are. And then he says, but the fruit of the spirit, the, the changes, the stuff God is changing in you are those things. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all the rest of them. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. Now, that's the stuff that God does when he does action on an external thing. Here's another one. I'm going to go faster. Sorry. When God empowers it's the Holy Spirit doing the strengthening. And when we, and we start talking about this, uh, we're, we're, talking, we're going to start using the word f the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, understand the difference. Because there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is basically he just, he just submerges himself into your soul. It takes up residence. That's a permanent fixed thing. That's the, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is... He gives you the hard wiring, but then he, he turns on a charge, temporarily turns on a charge, and he fills you to accomplish something. A specific time, specific place, it's not all the time. He fills you. And, he, and so when God empowers, when you ask God to give you strength to do something for him, what you're asking is for his spirit to turn on that switch. Could you, could you make the power happen? It's God doing it from the inside of you. So it happens in several ways. It happens a lot of times through words. And there's several examples in the book of Acts. Here's Acts 6. Stephen, who was mentioned in the video, he stands up. They began to argue. Look at the last part of this. It says, these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Jesus had said, don't worry about what you're going to say when you stand before the, the leaders. I'm going to give those words to you. This is what he's talking about. That God is going to do something. He's going to turn on a switch and you're going to be able to say some things you wouldn't have thought. In, in Acts chapter 4, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question, by what power? There are big challenges going on and it says, and then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts to talk and this stuff comes out of him. There, there's this, so it comes out in words. It also comes out in, in a level of courage that you don't have before. It comes out in a, in a level, level of impact you have before. It, in, the, in a human level, they, um, they call this adrenaline, right? You get an adrenaline rush. Hu in, physically, our bodies are such that you get this adrenaline rush to do stuff. I, I was always, I've always heard this about adrenaline rushes, right? About 
you, you can do stuff that you're not capable. I was out on the golf course, and a group of guys I was playing with were on a cart, and they lost control of it down an embankment, and it bounced up, and it bounced up, and it landed square on top of this big boulder. It was the craziest thing. It's just there's a boulder at a ledge, and it's, and it's perched up there. And they're like, oh, no. And we walk over there. We said, what are we going to do? So we said, well, let's all try to lift it up. So we all gathered around it. And there's a boulder, thing, and, and, we're lift, and so we're lifting it up. We start to shift, and then it kind of gives, and it comes down. And when it did, all the weight of the cart came down, and my hand was underneath the, the side of the metal of the cart, and it came down right smack on my fingers, spinning the, the cart and the, and the boulder to my fingers. And I felt some pain. And, and in that moment, I just felt like something has to happen. And so I've always heard about this thing happens where, you know, people can lift stuff. They can do with something. And so it's just with everything, you know, I just, and I lift, and it did not move an inch. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happened. And I stood there in agony for about three minutes while these guys are trying to maneuver this thing without taking my fingers off. And I got done, and my, I, I really thought they were gone. I thought my fingers were gone, and they were still there. But adrenaline has its limits, I guess. <laughs> so God's got this provision where the filling of the Holy Spirit happens at times. Get this. It's not just so you can do what you want to do. It's times when you're accomplishing stuff that he has prescribed for you to do for his glory and his kingdom. And he doesn't tell you when it's coming, doesn't tell you how long it's going to last. It's not, it's not, doesn't have to. You can't control it. You can't predict it. You can't replicate it. Sometimes he does it. Sometimes he does. And the wonder is just like sometimes he shows up. Have, have you ever ha- had it happen where you're on a phone call with, in a real intense situation and stuff just comes out of your mouth? And if, can I say it this way? You just go, wow, that was good. And it really helped somebody. You just experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so, sometimes people say, can you tell me what you said before? And you go, I have no idea what I said. Is that the coolest thing? It happens when you don't have courage to do something and all of a sudden, I've seen this happen. This has happened to you. You've been in positions where you're representing God and you take a stand for something and later on you go, I don't know where that came from. That was out of character for me. I just took a stand. Some of you do it in your schools or your workplace or your neighborhood. And you, all of a sudden you're standing for the, for the character of God when he's being accused or something. That, those are those moments that God says, yeah, this is why it's better that I'm in you. Because I'm going to do that. Now here's this cool thing that happens. In Ephesians 5, you've, you've, if you, wait, did I get this? Did I go back? Here we go. Did I do Ephesians 5? I don't even know. Ah, look at this. I got all this stuff. Okay, filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is. Okay, now. So, so you got this phrase. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a weird grammatical construct that happens there because that is a passive imperative. In other words, it's, you're commanded to, do something, to have something happen to you. How do you do that? You're commanded to be filled to... So it's a command, but then it's a passive to be filled with spirit. This is how this works. This is why that's stated that way. Because God does the filling. You don't fill yourself. But you must make a choice. 
you must put yourself in a position where God has opportunity to accomplish something, to get something done, get something said, and you put yourself out there not knowing what you're going to say, what you're going to do, and then God does the filling. A lot of you, that, so, it's, it's, so the, the wiring is on, but now God turns on the current. There is nothing better. We could tell stories. There, there's nothing better on earth than knowing that in a moment you saw God chose to use you. God did something through you, something you can't even do again, but you're grateful, and it happened, and you got to be part of it. Here's another one. When God draws near, this is really important because I want God to be near me. And we just did some worship about God. We, we, we were told to draw near to God, and he will draw to, near to you. When God draws near, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the embracing. This is part of how he expresses himself. He's the one who lets you grasp a little bit of what God feels for you. And when you feel something toward God, the Holy Spirit's the one who you're feeling it toward and with. I'm going to just borrow from some other scripture here. Romans 8, again, a common passage. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So, so, if, so God makes us his children. Okay, that's already a familial connection that the Holy Spirit is creating. Says you don't, and he, and he says, okay, you didn't receive this uh, lowercase spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. It should be fear, not ear. It, not slave to ear either, but, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And it says, and by him we cry, and this is an Aramaic term, Abba. It's, in Italian circles, we, we, we refer to our, them as our Papa. It's, it's a little more, more it's, it's, I'd, I'd say dad or daddy, but adult men call their fathers papa. It's this enduring term. Some of you have another term that you might use. There's this closeness and intimacy. The Spirit himself testifies. Look, see this? He's within us. The Spirit is testifying with our spirit. There's something going within us that we are God's children. And as a result of that, we draw, we draw near to God. So we have this, what's called the fellowship of the Spirit. Now, sometimes that's, it's, it's about us, the fellowship of the Spirit. And, and by the way, you're called to be in fellowship with other carriers of the Spirit. You're not supposed to be doing this alone. And don't let this be the only place where that happens. Small groups, fellowship groups, where you're heart to heart. There's something important that happens in that environment. It's called the fellowship of the Spirit in a couple different passages, 2 Corinthians and Philippians, koinonia. But then what happens as a result of that is we do life. We don't just do life under God. We don't just do life for God. We do life with God. We're thinking with Him. We're walking with Him. We're, we're in step with Him. And so in Acts 15, there's this interesting phrase when they made a decision it says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us like we're together on this we're, we're feeling it together we're thinking about it together in Acts 5 we're witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him there's this connection that we have, have and you've had this happen in the times where you have just felt a closeness with God wherever it might be you've just felt affection for him. You felt intimacy with him. You know who's doing that? It's his spirit from within you. He's, he's embracing you. He's hugging you. He's saying, I'm right here. You're my child. I love you. And some of us go, ah, okay, hang on. All that 
touchy-feely stuff. Here we go. Your intimacy with God. Oh, boy, you're going to dance around with half your clothes on. With, so I'm connecting with God. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about something that happens in your soul. And by the way, one of the key things, here's one of the reasons you should never be late for worship. Sorry, I'm just going to say it. You should just never be late for worship. Okay? All right, yeah. Because worship is a moment where something collectively happens that doesn't happen anywhere else on the planet. Something you were made for, that's something that's significant. The fellowship, the, all the carriers of the Spirit come together, and when we together connect with Him, He energizes, He can. Sometimes you lose yourself in it, and sometimes you don't. It's not up for you to decide. You just take your rightful place. You wait for it to happen. You participate with it, and God does something. This is not just because it's an obligation to go worship. Something happens from inside you when it happens. Oh, man, there's a whole other verse. Here, Galatians 5 says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Now, here are the implications and the opportunities of the, of the Holy Spirit having a role. First of all, recognize his proximity to you every moment. This is uninterrupted. You won't always feel him. You always won't have that intimacy, but recognize something, that if you've given your, if you've bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, if he is your savior, that God has come to live within you. Every moment of every day, he is present. He's that close. His proximity is right there. The Old Testament saints did not have this provision. Oh, they were washed clean by him. They were saved by faith. They were, they were filled with him sometimes. They had the, his power come on, but they, looked at, they would look at this and go, oh, my goodness, are you kidding? Here's, here's a question I think they would ask that I would ask for you. Do you have any idea what you're carrying around? Understand his proximity, but don't just stop there. By the way, all the believers have it. I don't, you can't even get to Acts chapter 10 where the Gentiles have the sign come on them, yep, them too. The Gentiles, all of us, everybody everybody's get, it gets an equal footing, an equal portion of that. You are the temple, 2 Corinthians 6, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But that has implications go beyond just saying, wow, that's cool. Because that means now, what, here's the implication, in tune yourself and respond to him. That's what keep in step means. How do you do that? I'll just give you very, very simple things that we could tease out in a group discussion, if you like, or another time. But here's this. First of all, you listen. You clear out the noise. Samuel was told to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. See, I honestly believe that in my life, I don't know about yours, there have been things God has nudged me about, gotten my attention about, and I've never even noticed. Because I can quench the spirit. I, he's, he's a gentleman. He whispers still small voice. He doesn't just trumpet it. Sometimes it's just a nudge. So in tune yourself, listen. Clear out some space. In fact, when we close the service today, when we're, when we're doing a, I would encourage you just to pause for a moment and say, help me to listen what are you nudging me to think about, to change in my life, to step out to do? Ask him. Be ready. Be ready. But you listen. And then you check. When you get a, an impulse, you get a nudge, and you're not sure where it's going from, you check three different sources. First, you check your motives. 
Is this coming from just my own flesh to accomplish something I, I think I should do? Check your motives. Cle- ask God to cleanse your motives. Second, check his word. He will never lead to you, you to do something in violation of his word. Does it, is it consistent with what God has to- told us in his revealed revelation? And third, check the, your fellow spirit carriers. One, I'm just going to say it again. Here we go. I don't think you should ever make a big decision that you just announce you've made to your small group or to your church family. I think you have violated, we violate God's provision if we do that. He's given you them. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. The other spirit carriers can help filter where those signals are coming from. Should I take this job? Should I move? Should I not? Should I, should I, should I get married? Should I not? Should I date this person? Should I not? Now, look, this isn't a cult. You aren't gonna, you're gonna, not going to have people t- prescribe everything you should do, but invite the, the carriers of the living God to say, I think I might be hearing something. What do you sense? Ask them to pray with you. Ask them to think about it. Ask them to process it and submit yourself to the greater collection of what God might be steering with the prompt. Check your motives in your heart. Check his word and check the community of followers of Jesus. And then you act. You step out. And when you do, the Bible talks about the power. It keeps talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. It, doesn't have, it, it, it could be giant power. It can be a small power. The impact of the Holy Spirit is available to us. Do you have any idea what you're carrying around? We have the privilege of having God himself deciding he's going to temple within us, for us. And what is he prompting? This is just between you and God now. I'm just going to ask it, and then we're going to pray. I'll ask you to think about this. What is he exposing in you that he wants you to deal with? If you ask him and he says, let's talk about that area of your life. Let's talk about you making that, that sin known to some people who will hold you accountable. Let's talk about ending that really unhealthy relationship. Let's talk about you stepping into a role to take up an oar and row the direction I want to go around here. When he prompts, what is he prompting you to do? To go check out, to think that you don't think you're capable of qualified for, but he says, why would he say, yeah, but pay attention. And what is he poised to do through you in an environment you are if you simply will say, I'm out out of my capacities here, but I'm going to go ahead and place myself in position and I'm going to see what you have come out of my mouth. I'm going to see what you have come out of my hands. I'm going to see what you will do because the power of God will work. It did in the book of Acts, but it happens now. Pray with me. If I read it right, your word says that your spirit doesn't just be in us, it's not just in us, but it's, um, it's around us and it and is working in a moment. And I'm, I guess I'm just going to invite you, would you energize the impact of your spirit in our lives for whatever you want to do as we respond, move in our lives. And thank you that you've chosen to take these jars of clay and come live within us even when we don't deserve it. Amen.